Well, welcome. My name is Jeremy uh, West. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to be with you. Glad um, that you're here this morning. If you're new, again, so honored that you're here, and glad to be diving into God's Word together today because He has some great things for us. Um, so for me, this last uh, few months has been kind of a crazy time. A lot of things have happened. We've been gone the last two weeks, and last week we were with our family, extended family at the beach. So we had a good time. I think we have a picture. Yeah, that's my crew right there. Uh, and as you can see, we have a little nugget there. His name is Simeon, and he was born uh, June 14th. So we just went from three to four. Um, as Jim Gaffigan, famous comedian, says, what's it like having four kids? Imagine that you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> That's what it feels like at our house. Like, how do I tread water with just my feet? Um, so kind of crazy, but we're having a lot of fun, and we had a lot of fun at the beach this last week. So good stuff. What else? This last Thursday, my wife and I celebrated 10 years. Uh, <laughs> 10 years uh, being married, and we're going to go for about 80 more, and then, and then we might reevaluate. <laughs> just kidding. Um, and we moved, too. Man, there's just a lot of things happening. We moved to this awesome town uh, that, like, got revivals breaking out. I mean, it's awesome. It's a city called Garland. Anyone ever heard of it? Garland. Yeah. It was like... You know, like the Apostle Paul, you know, we looked at houses in Richardson, and the Spirit was like, no. <laughs> Dallas, no. And then Garland, it was like, yeah. Okay. Uh, I grew up in Garland, went to high school there, so never, ever, ever thought I would be back <laughs> in the, the big G, or the OG, as we said, in high school. Um, but we're there, and we're loving it. It's been, been great. And uh, am, I, am I right? Garland's like revival breaking out. It's, it's the best. We're, God's moving, and we're excited uh, to be there practicing the way of Jesus in Garland. Uh, but moving means, right, that you look for houses. The painstaking process of looking for a house. And so this, for my wife and I, this would be our third house um, to buy um, we, we bought two uh, in a previous town we lived in, in Abilene. Uh, but buying a house in Dallas is no joke, man. It's like I feel like we did like minor league house buying in Abilene, and now it's like major league. Like the market's so crazy, so intense. You basically have to put in an offer before the people even know that they want to sell their house. You know? <laughs> You're just like, hey, I think you might be wanting to sell your house. I'm going to go ahead and offer it so we can be first. You know, it's crazy. Uh, we looked at over 50 homes. Not on the Internet. <laughs> in real life, we looked at 50 homes, walked in, checked it out, you know, and you have three kids. And just imagine that. It was crazy. <laughs> um, crazy. But in, because of our previous experience buying homes and because of our previous house, had a few foundation issues going into this time, I was very keenly aware of foundation stuff related to houses, especially in Texas. In fact, 
A previous house we had, they had done an engineer's report on the, the structure of the home. It was like this 30-page, tedious, like, report. I read every single word. I feel like I could have become an engineer. I, I should have got an honorary doctorate from somewhere for reading that. It was crazy, and it talks about all the reasons for, you know, oak trees too close to the foundation and drainage this. And the one thing that caught me was talking about gutters. It said that the house should have gutters. I thought gutters were just so you can walk out your front door and not get rain on you. And apparently, they help keep the water away from the foundation so that you don't have foundation issues. So every house we went to, guess what was the first thing I noticed? My wife, oh, this is a beautiful home. I was looking at it on Redfin, and it's just so awesome, and I think this is going to be the one. And we pull up, and I'm like, there's no gutters. <laughs> I was like, I'm out of here, man. I'm not doing this. Um, you think I'm kidding, like for real. And our, my brother-in-law was our real estate agent, and <laughs> we had some good times about that. My wife said that my mind was in the gutter. Oh. <laughs> it was. Um, you know, but it's very important for us to find a home with good foundation because, you know, we're, we're investing here. Big, <laughs> you know, a big investment for us, putting my neck on the line here. And we're not thinking about a home in terms of days, but decades, years, decades. And I don't want to get in a home and three months down the road or three years down the road the roof's caving in, the wall's falling off the planet, you know, there's water going everywhere, and it's, it's a nightmare, okay? Walls are cracking, and, you know, people are like, dude, what is, you know, what, am I safe? Can we have life group here? Is this safe? You know, I mean, it's a, a, a real deal, because we're thinking in terms of decades. I, I would assume that none of you are thinking this, uh, that you're thinking the same way, like, you know, I, I want to buy a house with a strong foundation. In much in the, the same way as we're going to look at today, our lives are built on foundation. Every one of us, no matter where you are in your journey, how old you are, what nationality you are, where you're from, we are all building our house on some foundation right now. Just as Zach said, we're all tithing to something. Same is true about this. We are all building. Our life is being built day by day, year by year, brick by brick on something. On something. It might be dirt. It might be mud. It might be sand. It might be a solid rock. You might be trying to build your house on water. I don't know. We're all building on some kind of foundation. We do that through the decisions we make, through choices we make, and through the actions that we live our life with. We're building our life. Right now, if you're a parent in the room, you are building, you are helping your kids build on some foundation by things that you make choices in, things that you allow, things that you teach them, things that you encourage them to do, things that you expect of them. You're building Foundation, your marriage is being built through decisions, through choices, through actions on some foundation. We are all building on some foundation. We can't escape that. Um, the question that I have for us is what foundation are you 
building on. And maybe this is news to you. You're like, whoa, what do you talk about foundation? What does that even mean? How do I even build? What does this mean? No matter where you are, again, there's good news. And the good news is that Jesus loves you. And the good news is Jesus wants to help us today. I believe that in the next 30 minutes, that before you walk out those exit doors, I was praying for you this morning that we would feel helped and would leave helped. Jesus wants to help you this morning because he wants what is absolute best for us. He wants what is best for us. That, that is God's desire. It's not us versus God and the world is kind of, we live life. It's us with God. He's with us. He's on our side helping us, wants to help us take on the day. Jesus wants for us a life that is secure, that's integrous, that's stable, that's unshakable no matter what comes. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about this in this series, Practice the Way of Jesus. I just, I love this phrase, practice the way of Jesus uh, and all that it means. And then we've been looking at a passage in Luke chapter 6, which we're going to look at here in a second. And this passage, it's kind of the closing application, closing of the message of a larger message called or referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is preaching to thousands of people literally in this place, and he's talking to them about relationships and about money and about uh, how to get along with your neighbor and how to pray and where to pray and how to give and how to trust God. And he's saying, you know, blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. He's, he's teaching people about the kingdom of God and about how to live this life. And then he closes with one last kind of word, one last illustration to kind of wrap it all up. And in this, he's saying, okay, I've shared all this stuff, and now the ball is in your court. The decision is yours. It's your move. How will you respond to what has been said? And that's where we get this message or this teaching from today. And Jesus is the master communicator that he is. He does this in a, in a profound way. So let's pick up reading. We're going to Luke chapter 6, verse 46. And the ver, uh, verses will be up on the screen as well. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? This is a very probing question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Um, you'll get this for free. I didn't share this in the first service, but when, whenever uh, a name was said twice, it was that you were trying to get that person's attention. You know, when God met Moses, he said, Moses, Moses, Abraham, Abraham. When Saul was on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It was a way of, of getting that person's attention. It wasn't just that you were calling them something, is you were trying to get something from them. You're trying to reach out to them, say, hey, hey, hey. And Jesus is saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you saying, I want something from you. Bless me. Touch me. Use me, God. Lord, Lord, I'm here. And yet, not do what I've put right in front of you to do. When Jesus asks a question, there's always many layers to that answer. His questions pierce to the heart. The same when he said, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but not the log in your own? What is it about 
us, the human nature, the sinful condition that we see everything in everyone else but not in us. Jesus is going to that place. And here he goes to that same place. Why are you saying, Lord, 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 but not listening to me and doing what I tell you? For some of you, that might just be the question you need to you just write that down and take a deep breath, and that's church for today. <laughs> you just take that one and run with it. You can check out the rest of the message and just start thinking about that question because um, it's a really powerful question. Uh, but we'll keep reading. Verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them. So l- listen, this is th- three things happening. Coming to me, hearing my word, and doing them. So showed up, listened, even took notes. Back in that day, they probably didn't have a way to take notes. They just asked their spouse to remember it for them or, you know, whatever. It's listen, or I showed up, I listened, I heard it, and then went out and actually did something about what I came and heard, or I came to hear and heard. Jesus pointing out that this is the appropriate response. Summing up the whole message that he gives on this Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, this right here is what I'm looking for. It's not enough just to be here. It's not enough just to hear it. It's not enough just to memorize it, just to know it, just to under, even to understand it. But to do it, to put it into practice, and that's where we get this practicing the way of Jesus. We don't want to be a people that just, oh, we know the way of Jesus. I heard about the way of Jesus. But people that practice the way of Jesus, and Jesus is going to give a great image here to show what this is like when someone comes, hears, and does the word of God, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. All right, digging deep is hard. Anybody ever dug a post hole? Man, anyone ever wanted to not ever dig a post hole again? After, like, seriously, like, look, oh, my back blisters in my hand. My hands are bleeding. Ah. You know, and then, you, and then you're just like six inches in, right, Terry? You're six inches in. You're like, okay, I'm good. And then you hit clay, muddy clay. And it's just like, this is, I'd rather be, have shards of glass in my eyes. I don't know. <sighs> Man, dug deep. But that's what this person is doing, right? By listening and then doing. It's hard. It's work even. Ooh, said it, work. Right? Dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. There it is. Foundation on a rock. And when a flood arose, they probably didn't expect was coming. The stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. The house was well built on the foundation. And in the Greek there, you can't really see it, but it, but it does say that it had gutters too. So you just, I I don't have time to explain that, but um, just kidding. The house was on solid foundation. And so when the storm came, it didn't shake it. It was integrous. It was stable. It was secure. Verse 49, he says, but the one who hears and does not do them is like the man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. You see what I'm saying about everyone's building? Everyone's building something. You're you're doing it. You're building. And the distinction here is not, oh, those people heard and these people didn't hear. 
The distinction here is that everyone heard. Some chose to do what they heard, and some chose to not do what they heard. The same storm comes, the same flood, the same stream broke against it. Immediately, it fell in the ruin of that house was great. And in the series, we've talked about a few different things around practicing the way of Jesus, about receiving God's love. That's where it all starts. It doesn't start with doing. It doesn't start with, okay, man, i got to do better. It starts with just receiving God's love for you and letting him fill you. That may mean for, for you believing in Jesus for the first time and receiving him into your life, and he'll make you a new person. It starts with receiving God's love, and Zach talked about watching out for deception and how we can be deceived, that first verse. You know, you call me Lord, Lord, but you're not doing what I'm saying. And, and how we can go down that road uh, with all of the blind spots in our life, uh, and we need to watch out for that. It's a great message. And last week he talked about spiritual practices that God's calling us to um, as his people. And this morning, I want to close this with we're just talking about a four-letter word. Can we do that in church? I want to teach it to you, and, and my hope is you teach it to your kids, and you will use this four-letter word all the time. Uh, we use it all the time in our house. Um, it's, it's a powerful four-letter word um, that you need to own, and it's the word obey. It's the word obey. Um, if we're going to be people that practice the way of Jesus together here in Dallas, we must obey. And uh, I'm a t-ball coach by night. Um, I've shared that a couple of times before. And I remember um, a year ago, I was leading our team, and we were meeting, so a bunch of five- and six-year-olds, and we're out in the outfield, huddled up, and we're like, all right, the game today, here's our goals. And I hadn't used this word before, but I said, all right, guys, rule number one is, you know, obey coach. You're going to obey your coaches. When they say run, you run. When they say stay on first base, you stay on first base. When they say throw the ball to the pitcher, you do it. You obey coach. That's rule number one. And a kid on my team said, what does obey mean? And I was like, I'm going to talk to your parents. You know, like, <clears throat> what does obey mean? And I realized that even in that time, we live in a culture where this thought of obedience is like, huh? Like, what, what does that mean, you know? Just do what I want to do, right? I mean, I just live life, right? Just kind of build my own life. That God calls us to obedience, and that's what this passage is getting at, to obey. So when your kid's on my t-ball team, they don't need to be asking that question, okay? Can we, can we say that? All right, good. Um, but if we're going to be people that build on that firm foundation, lives that are deep, strong, stable, secure, integrous, we have to be people that obey Jesus. I don't want to just flip this a little bit for you. Because really what we are doing in obeying Jesus is we are imitating his obedience to the Father. I'm going to say that again because that is deep. Okay, that when we obey Jesus and following Jesus, we're not just trying to obey his words and kind of keep up. We are following him. And if we follow him, you know what he did? He obeyed the father. 
So when you say, I'm a Christian, I want to be like Jesus, that means I want to obey God just like Jesus obeyed God. My obedience to God shouldn't look any different than Jesus' obedience to God. And that's what he's inviting us into when he says, come, follow me. He's saying, come, learn from me, watch me obey God fully, completely, cheerfully, joyfully, and learn to obey God with me. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's inviting us to. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we imitate his obedience to God. We follow him. Hebrews 5, 8, and 9. You may be thinking, wait, Jesus obeyed God? I thought he was. He is God. He obeyed God. There's mystery there. That's another message, the, the trinity of God. Um, but verse 8, Hebrews chapter 5, it says this, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. What a powerful thought that Jesus learned obedience. And that word learn, it actually it doesn't mean he was like, I didn't know how to obey, how I was supposed to obey God. I didn't know how to obey God. And Jesus learned from like someone else. No, it, what it means is that he fulfilled with every step. With every step he took, he was stepping into obedience and he fulfilled obedience to the Father. He completed his obedience. And in a sense, he learned it in human flesh by taking every step of obedience. What it, exactly what it's like for you to obey. So that he can say, come follow me, and, you, and we can't go, well, but it was different for you. No, it wasn't. He was human, and he obeyed God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And he was made perfect in this and became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So we're obeying the one who obeys. I want to submit to you this morning um, what obedience could look like for us as followers of Jesus practicing the way. And there's three words that really come to mind that I felt like the Lord put on my heart to share. We're going to look at some scripture examples of these of how do we obey. We've talked the last actually several months as we've gone through this sermon about what we're obeying. You know, forgive and love and serve and pray, all those things. What? This morning, we're going to talk about the quality, like what does obedience look like and how do we obey God or how should we obey God? So I get three words. I'm going to have you say them with me. Uh, we teach these to our kids. If you're a parent, this is a freebie. Use this with your kids because this is how we want, to, we want to train our kids to obey God in this way. We obey quickly, completely, and cheerfully. Say it with me. Quickly completely and cheerfully. That is how God has called us and invited us to obey. So first, uh, obeying quickly. And the, the passage that comes to mind, the person that comes to mind is this guy named Philip in the book of Acts. Philip was just an average dude. He was just a normal guy. He actually wasn't one of the official uh, original apostles, disciples of Jesus. He's kind of like came later on. He's like a disciple of the disciples. So, you know, Peter was obeying, Jesus was obeying the Father. Peter was obeying Jesus. And now, you know, this guy's like learning from Peter and he, he's following Jesus, right? He's, but he's a, a normal guy, just like you and me. 
in, uh, in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. I want to read uh, this passage to you. It's on the, on the screen. We can learn here what it looks like to obey quickly. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. This is middle of nowhere. God shows up. Angel shows up. Hey, man, got a plan. <laughs> You're like, yeah, an angel showed up, and he has a plan. This is going to be great. And he says, go to the desert road that leads to Gaza. Like, what are you talking about? Um, this is crazy. This is, like, actually where now uh, modern day the Gaza Strip, and Hamas, and that whole Palestine live. It's a desert place, a barren desert place. And he goes. He says he rose and went. And there on that road, as he's just standing there, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he had a sign. Maybe he's just chilling. He's standing there, and down the road comes an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So this is the guy in charge of all the money of the queen of Ethiopia riding in his chariot with all of his crew. So we're talking about gold flashing like an expensive chariot, maybe had rams on it. I don't know. And he comes rolling down the road, and he's reading Isaiah. Philip doesn't know this yet. Verse 29, here it is. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran. <laughs> so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, hey, do you understand what you're reading? As soon as the Spirit speaks to him, go join that chariot. He runs right into the middle of it and says, okay, what do I do now? Oh, that guy's reading Isaiah. Are you kidding me? This is crazy. Hey, do you know what you're reading? And he obeys quickly, running into what God has for him. And we'll read the whole story, but kind of summarize. He, through this passage in Isaiah, the guy's reading a passage in Isaiah about Jesus. And he, uh, he's going, what does this mean? Who is this person? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Like, what's going on? And Philip's like, dude, this is Jesus. And he shares with him the gospel. And the guy says, yeah, I, I want Jesus. And now it's his turn to quickly obey. He sees water. And he's like, stop the chariot. We're getting baptized, like, right now. I'm not waiting to get back to get baptized in my gold tub that, you know, back in Ethiopia right now. So it was probably like just a dirty like pond or something. And this rich man with rich robes and all this stuff gets down in this dirty pond and gets baptized in the name of Jesus. And what's crazy, this, like, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, but the principle here is so huge for us. He gets baptized. Philip baptizes him. And then when he comes up out of the water, Philip disappears. We'll read it. Verse 39, and when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord, who Philip was in the habit of obeying quickly, carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. 
But Philip found himself at Azotus. You do the math. This is like a city far away. This isn't like he was like sleepwalking and just went down the road. Like a whole other area. At Azotus. And as he passed through, he just decided to preach the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea, which is in the north of Israel. That's crazy. But what I, I think a principle here is that when we obey quickly, let's say this clearly. I'll look at my note. When we obey quickly, and we are in the habit of not arguing with God, not complaining, not saying, are you sure, God? Why? Man, that doesn't make sense. We obey quickly. God begins to supernaturally accelerate the things in our life that he has for us. You know, we, it's so easy that we're like, oh, I want that, and I want that for my career and my job and this and that and that relationship, and it's way over there. And, and God says, take this step. He invites you to take this step. You're like, but <laughs> no, this, God, over there, remember that? That was like, I, I want to be doing that. And God says, I'm inviting you to take this step. And yet, we refuse or can refuse and say, well, this doesn't make sense because this is the lead over there. And yet, it's that very step that you take that step and God's like, acceleration. You're like, how did I just get here? Oh, my gosh. This is exactly my dream. This is exactly what I wanted. And it just happened through quickly obeying God in the little things that didn't make sense to me that I didn't fully understand. But he was calling me, and so I said yes. For me, uh, many years ago when I was in college, I was a sophomore in college, and God was teaching me this principle about obeying him quickly and trusting him with everything. And I'd been listening to all these teaching uh, from this guy named Mike Bickle about giving, and I was all fired up about, okay, yeah, man, that's so cool. This is great teaching. So I was coming, and I was hearing, but I wasn't doing yet, right? And so summertime, working my job, hadn't got my first paycheck, and my bank account is at $15, okay? Anybody ever been there? I'm like broke, and it was no joke. It was like the bottom of the barrel, and my barrel was not very big, okay? <laughs> That's where I'm at, and my car is on empty, so the light had already come on. Like, you're going to run out of gas, you idiot. Like, get. And so $15, and I go to Walmart, and I spend $5 buying ramen and salad. I don't know why, but as ramen and salad... And I have a $10 bill in my pocket as I exit Walmart, and I pull up to the, the exit, and there's a man standing there with a sign that says anything helps. And I've, I mean, I've seen that person a thousand times. I've seen people in that, that place a thousand times. And sometimes, you know, I feel like God's leading me to, to give. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I, I'm selfish, you know, all, whatever, the, the mix of it. But that moment, the spirit so clearly was like, give, give that $10. And I was like, no, there's cars piling up behind me. And I just, I'd like roll down the window. I just like roll down the window. I'm like, hey, you, hey, hey, hey. And I give the $10. He's like, thank you. And, and then I pull off in, into the street and I'm at a red light. And now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I, I had learned, like, you know, if God tells you to do something, just don't even think about it. Just go for it, all right? So I did that, and now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, my car light is on empty. I'm about to run out of gas. What have I just done? This is crazy. But I offer up, like, a weak prayer. Like, God, 
I'm so broken right now. Bless that money to that man. Multiply it to him. Multiply it to me 10 times. And I drive on. The rest of the day was kind of cruddy and all that. Next day, I'm at coffee shop because uh, I needed Wi-Fi. Um, but I, I didn't have any money, so I was using the Wi-Fi without buying anything. Don't judge me. You, you know you've done that, too, where you go to a coffee shop, and you just don't buy anything. You just use the Wi-Fi. Okay, so I'm there. I'm doing that, and a friend walks in and says, hey, Jeremy, what's up? And I, I, I'm like, yo, hey, good to see you. And I didn't share anything about what was going on in my world my life. And 15 seconds in the conversation, she says, hey, I need to do this quickly before, b- before I forget because God's telling me. And she hands me a $100 bill. <laughs> she says, hey, th- I feel like God said to give this to you, and I want to do it quickly. I was like, I stood up. I might have flipped the table. I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, you have no idea what just happened. And they're like, I don't. And I was like, yesterday I was broken. I was trying to obey God, and he loves me. God wants to give to us, and he wants to bless, and he wants to move. And I can't say that it's going to all happen just like you, you know, designed it or whatever. His plans are great and big, and they're good. But when we say yes to obeying him and obeying him quickly, it accelerates that. And the longer we resist, the longer we resist the things that he has for us. We obey quickly, completely, and cheerfully. Obeying completely, moving on, we'll turn a corner here. Obeying completely. In Matthew 5, 19, this is actually earlier in the same sermon, Jesus says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Shoot. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus here is saying complete obedience matters. It's important. And you can justify and you can explain away and you can try to create gray zones so we don't have to obey, so we don't have to do what he says. But at the end of the day, he says, don't relax the least of these commandments. I want complete obedience and aren't you thankful that Jesus obeyed God completely? I mean, seriously. Jesus living his life, and he's on the cross, and he could yell, It is. Ah, never mind. I'm, I'm tired. Your, my life and your life would be totally different if that was what had happened. But on the cross, he says, It is finished. What is finished? Obedience. God. Obedience to God. I'm so thankful. Jesus, we are all so thankful that you didn't cut corners. Jesus, we are all so thankful that you did hard things that you were called to do. Jesus, we are all so thankful that you led the way in obeying the Father completely. You know, God wants all of our heart. And in Luke 18, there's this guy that comes up to Jesus, rich young ruler, loaded with cash. And he wants to talk with Jesus. He had heard the sermon. I was sitting on the back row. I heard it all. And Jesus uh, comes up to Jesus. What must I do? And Jesus says, man, keep the commandments. Oh, I've done all that. And Jesus said, one thing you lack. 
Go and sell what you have and give to the poor and come follow me. You have treasure in heaven beyond your wildest imagination. And the guy's face fell and he got sad and Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, oh. There was a place in his heart where he had built up a wall and he had said, I'm all in, but this. You can't have this. What's that place for us? Is there a place in you where it's like, Jesus, I'm all in. Lord, 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 Lord. And he says, what about that? For each of us, it's something different. We can't look at other people and say, well, I'm, I'm following God. I'm other people over here. Like, there's something for you to maybe different for someone else. You know, people take this passage and take it out of context. Well, does that mean every Christian is supposed to give all their money? to No, that's not what it means. It means you're not supposed to have a part of your heart where you say, God, no, off limits. That's, that's the point. We obey completely. You can't love God with all your heart with half obedience. You can't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as we're called to with half obedience. We obey quickly, completely, and cheerfully. And the last one, as we close, we obey cheerfully. The Apostle Paul comes to mind here as a man that endured incredible hardship. I mean, like, hard life, challenges. In, in fact, he said that every time I go into a new city, the spirit, that same spirit that's like, go to the desert road and do this, testifies to me that trials and tribulation await me. That was his life. I mean, can you imagine that? Wake up in the morning, quiet time, coffee there. Jesus, I love you so much. When I read the Bible, the Spirit's like, today when you walk into work, trials, tribulations, problems. You know, the next day, same thing. Like, that was his life. It was challenging. And a lot of it was because of his obedience to God. And yet, no one I see in the Scripture beside Jesus walked in greater joy walked in greater rejoicing. In Philippians chapter 2, 17, he says this to the, this people. He says, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. These people in, uh, uh, that he had laid his life down for over and over again, he was like, I'm just so glad to do it. I'm so glad to follow God into this, even though there's trial and tribulation. And in Philippi was the place where he was thrown in prison and he was late at night worshiping God, celebrating the goodness of God. And the earthquake happens and the jailer comes to faith because Paul's just overflowing with joy in the midst of a difficult situation because he's obeying cheerfully and joyfully. My wife, uh, when we were dating, you know, I was kind of a, I'm a serious person. I'm like, okay, is this God's will for me to be dating this person and marry her? And, uh, you know, and I, I was so focused on that that, like, my joy in the relationship was not strong. And she, on a date one time, she was like, do you love me or am I just God's will for your life? <laughs> I was like, go, 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 <laughs> I repent. I love you. I'm trying to find God's will. Okay? In the same way, these commandments that God calls us to, they're carried out in relationship. Right? When Jesus says forgive, like you don't forgive the wall. You forgive people. When he's talking about not judging, when he's talking about 
loving your neighbor. It's not talking about loving a chair. It's talking about loving a person. It's relational. And obeying the commandments of Jesus doesn't mean you come to your friend, hey, man, I, I, just, I just know it's God's will for my life. I just uh, I kind of hate this, but I, just, I forgive you. All right. I just, like, if someone came up to you, you'd be like, but do you really? <laughs> I mean, like, do you really forgive me? Because it sounds like it's not happening. Because there's not cheerful. And it doesn't mean you're bubbly and all, but it means, hey, this is hard. This is going to be challenging. But I want to do this because I know God has greater joy for me. I forgive. Whatever the case may be. And Jesus lived this. Hebrews 1.9, it says he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. It's obedience. Therefore, God anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. He was the happiest, gladdest, most joyful, cheerful person that ever walked the planet. And it happened in obedience to God. Loving righteousness, hating wickedness. And so, as we close, just ask, what's the condition of your obedience to God this morning? Where is it at? Is it cheerful? Is it quick? Is it complete? Maybe it's one of three or two of three, and God's calling you deeper. That question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I'm inviting you into more, my son, my daughter. And I would challenge you in this, kind of a practical step forward, would be to just pray and to go there with the Lord this week. If you're struggling to obey quickly, if you're hesitating in everything that he says, maybe a good step would say, Lord, destroy in me whatever it is in me that causes me to hesitate, to doubt, to fear, to pull back, to go slow. I want to be quick to obey. When you speak the word, I'm already moving in you. If you're struggling to obey completely, maybe Lord, uncover that place in me where I've built a wall and I've said, you can't come here. Would you break it down in your love and your mercy? I want you to have all my heart. Help me to trust you completely. Or if it's joy and you need new perspective. Perspective is on just yourself and on i got to do this and not on why we get to obey why we get invited into this great journey of walking with the Spirit and obedience to God's Word. And you need perspective of joy. Fill me, Lord, with your joy. Imagine with me, like, decades from now. Some of you are young. Decades from now, you look back on your life, and you chose to obey. You didn't always understand. You didn't always didn't always make sense, but you chose to obey quickly, completely, cheerfully. In decades from now, your house built on a foundation. You look back. Do you have regrets in that moment? I don't think so. If you say, I'm going to just do my own way, I'm going to kind of pick and choose what, what I obey in God's word, and I'm going to do it grudgingly or whatever, decades from now, and your house is built, it's not stable, it's insecure, it's not integrous, and you look back, do you have regrets? By God's grace, we get to be people that build well and live without regrets because we obey quickly, completely, and cheerfully. Let's stand. Here in a moment... Um,
when we close the service, our prayer and prophetic team is going to be down front, and they would love to pray with you about anything going on in your life. If, you're, if one of these areas is like, man, that was totally me. I'm struggling there. God's called me to do some stuff. I'm moving slow, or I'm not, I don't have joy about it, or whatever the case may be, come forward. They love to pray. We love to pray with each other. The scripture says that when we do that, we're healed, and we're strengthened, and we're filled. And so God wants to meet you in that place. And there's some other things that our, our prophetic team was listening to the Lord as we do every week that um, felt like God may want to do this morning. Uh, one was to pray for someone who has fear of heights and a heart for the nations. And that God says, you don't have to fly to nations. They're flying to you. Um, someone with wrist tendonitis, I believe God wants to heal that this morning. And then there's uh, someone had a picture of a man sitting next to a tree with a swing set and holding a saw. And as he began to cut into the bark, uh, the tree fell down and it rotted out. Um, and they got the sense that God is looking this person is looking for wisdom and feels stuck trying to make a decision. And God says, you have everything you need. And so we want to pray for impartation of wisdom and decisiveness today, if you feel that's you. So these things or anything else, um, let's pray. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you obeyed the Father perfectly to the end. And today we say we want to obey you. And I ask for us, for your people, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, that you would refresh us, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would empower us this week to build well, to build in obedience to you quickly, completely, and cheerfully. In Jesus' name, amen.